1: Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. (laughs) My name is Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bean, and ooh, it's a glorious day, Chris. You know why? Why is that, Travis? Because as much as I like talking to you, I now get to talk to somebody else for a change in this show, and I can't fucking wait to do that. <laughs> uh, as somebody that talks to myself quite often, I understand.
0: <laughs> I um, understand. And if you can believe it, we're going to be talking about Kanye West. That's shocking. And there's, you know, I'm thinking people that I'd like to talk Kanye with, and there's few others than Mr. Dissect, Cole
1: Kushner, yeah. who joins us oh, yeah. today. What up? <laughs> <laughs> I would say the list goes like Kanye, uh, Kid Cudi. Yeah, yeah. I-, I guess then Cole. I guess Cole yeah. would be third. I'll give you that.
2: Rick Rubin might be in there somewhere.
1: Okay. Rick Rubin's third. You're right. All right. Then Mike yeah. Dean's fourth. Sorry. Yeah. And then, you know what? Probably North and then you.
2: <laughs> now, this is great. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Excited about the new season um, and kind of unveiling this long. Not lost project, but it's a long time coming
0: in terms of it, of it, it coming It felt up. lost for
1: a little bit on my end. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we started talking about this. I don't know when you started conceiving of it. I'm sure when you started Dissect, you were thinking Giza season eventually. <laughs> but uh, you approached us to start uh, participating in the show or working on the the season way back in, what, it was like July of 2019?
2: Yeah, it must have been yeah, summer so almost 2 years ago and then I think the scripts have been done at least a year for sure over a year. So yeah. um yeah, I mean Jesus was a no-brainer. Um ever I mean it, to be honest for people that don't know dissected my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in season 2 uh and then now we just released um a Jesus season on uh Dissect feed on Spotify, but um yeah, in terms of well, I mean, I think just contacting you guys then was like, okay, I know I wanted to do this. I was looking for writers anyways, because the only way that I was going to be able to maintain the show at the kind of um, the production output that I needed um, was to find, you know, collaborators and co-writers. And so it's like, oh, I want to do Yeezus. Oh, Chris and Travis are great. Like they're great writers and they know Kanye like no other. So it was like, oh, yeah, let me just find an excuse to work with those guys Um, and it just was that. And so I wasn't even really thinking about timing. I think it started out as like a a mini series in my brain. And a lot of that I think was just because like at that point I wasn't so sure about repeating artists for seasons. So it was like more justifiable in my head to like, okay, we'll just kind of do a mini season on it. But obviously it turned into like a full thing. Um, But I mean, this is my favorite album. I'm not sure. I think you guys have said maybe it is one of your favorites from Kanye it's def- it's my favorite Kanye album is and it's my top it's in my top three I would say of favorite albums of all time um so it's just one that I've been w- dying to talk about and I think <laughs> th- in terms of its delay I think it's just um it was just a timing thing I you know I had repeated Kendrick in season five because um, I did him in season one and so I didn't want to go do too many repeats back to back, but then 2020 was such a mess. Um, (laughs) And Kanye was kind of like, kind of was like, you know, up and down and it just didn't feel like it was the right time. Uh, And I feel like we've got a nice little window right now. So, but excited nonetheless.
0: Yeah. That was one of those things. I mean, it feels like such a, an album for People in our age range that when it came out, we were already listening to Kanye. we were already into hip hop. And then it's this tipping point of an album that felt so immense and so (laughs) out of left field in terms of what we had expected from Kanye, from the genre, and that it's still kind of stuck in our brains as something that we just need to discuss, especially as you grow into your professional field, it was the same album that caused us to start this podcast. That was it? Okay. Was just, we need to explain (laughs) that there's a narrative
1: on Yeezus. People need to like Yeezus as much as we do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know there is that
2: passion, like, where you're like, you love it so much, and you know, if you can get past, like, maybe some of the surface level uh, aesthetic quality that I, I get people might not be attracted to, there is that desire into you to be like, wait, no. like. Come on, guys, listen, like, see it fully and then say you don't like it, but see it fully first.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I feel like the whole Yatoven experience was a similar situation where uh, I know it's Johan and I forget the second guy's name uh, who put together... Like, Yeezus and Kanye, essentially. And mashing those... Jesus and Beethoven. or Jesus yeah. and Beethoven, yeah, thank you. <laughs> mashing those together and showing that Kanye's arrangement and production is on the same scope and magnitude of Beethoven. And you hear something like Blood on the Leaves compared to a Beethoven symphony. And you're just like, oh, I can hear it when you put it in this way. And it just feels like this album sparked so much analysis and discussion it's cool to see the different ways in which uh, people with different backgrounds different perspectives continue to break it down and show how much depth there is both sonically and lyrically
2: yeah i think for this too it's cool because i mean you guys are so lyrically and narratively driven um where you guys are writers uh chris i know that you write fiction travis how much sure, do you write fiction as well or
1: uh, no, uh, Chris and I are both movie lovers though. And we're yeah, constantly yeah. analyzing movies. So,
2: yeah. So I just like that. The, you know, I like that too. I feel like there's a part of me that is also that, um, but you know, obviously I come from like a strictly music background. So, um, just having that, this combination of your narrative driven mind with my more musical driven mind and kind of both working on the scripts and that way it feels like a really good synergy, um, because you, we, we talked about this before, but it's funny how much the lyrical narrative stuff aligns with the musical stuff where you guys are discovering things just through the lyrics where I'm going to hear it in the music and then it, it all kind of works together. Um, and we kind of come to the same conclusion by different means, <laughs> which to yeah. me just like there's so much evidence that he's thinking about these things consciously that, that at some point you even feel like you don't even have to justify it much anymore because it's just so clear um, that, that these are kind of like conceptual albums even though they don't really appear like that um, right away or as obvious uh, as other artists but you know it's there when you start looking
0: it makes me think about when you were doing my beautiful dark twisted fantasy season uh, you had that the big cliffhanger between devil in a new dress and runaway in terms of what it was the, the unresolved E mm-hmm. flats I don't I don't know I can't
2: remember terms, either but... yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't remember the exact some... note but yeah it was the the chord was unresolved the whole song and then it gets resolved by the first note of Runaway
0: yeah and we had recently covered I think like a similar stretch of that album and talked about the narrative aspect of Devil in a New Dress introducing this relationship and the dynamics of the relationship, and you see how that carries over into Runaway. And what you're saying is similar conclusions, but based on the different perspectives that we have that show that Kanye just had that alignment to make form and function match both lyrically and sonically to reach the same level of, all right, this builds into this. Which then builds into the next one, and yeah. the next one,
2: and then it gets really crazy because you realize all the albums connect to. So. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's one of our our big things. We're always like, you can just see because each album's based on where he's at in his life yeah. at that time. Yeah. it just flows yeah. as a whole magnum opus, like epic, which is amazing. I, I'm trying to think if you can find another discography in any genre that does something similar where each episode each album is that period of the artist's life and because they're changing and growing the whole thing
1: plays out as this I, I think fictional you, could, epic. you could easily see it in a lot of artist discographies but what's beautiful about Kanye is he's so vulnerable and and bare about it all in a way like you don't immediately recognize and he just and I get, and I think too, which is good for Chris and I, who again have written about movies for years and have analyzed narratives and have, and have really tried to unpack how stories are told. Kanye's approach to music is, in my opinion, very cinematic, and you can kind of see his tales play out the same way you would see a movie. So, whereas I think most discographies, you could find that narrative in there, like you could see someone grow and evolve from album to album. The way Kanye does it, like it feels like an epic, like it feels like a like a Marvel series, like it's an anthology, like it's this it's this thing you witness, and it, it's just incredible to listen to and watch.
2: Yeah, I would say the only one that comes to mind that's is Kendrick. He's earlier earlier on in his career, but you can definitely trace a narrative from even Section eighty through Damn, and really with Good Kid, Butterfly, and Damn, there is a clear connections uh, where even. There's a you know cliffhangers in each album that resolve into the next one pretty clearly. Um, <laughs> but Kendrick's on another level in the same way that Kanye's on another level. Um, so it's not surprising that you know, but yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting. And I, yeah, I do think of like a lot about uh, especially with Kanye, just like you're saying, you're talking about Beethoven, and it's like, yeah, you can hear the sonic, there, there's some there's some ties to be made sonically, but I think about them more as like f- historical figures. If you're going to be talking, like if Beethoven existed today, I don't think he would be making classical music. I think he'd be making maybe it's hip hop. Maybe it was, you know, rock, but whatever was the prominent genre, you know, classical music was or co- what we call now. Classical music is, was just the genre of that day was just what people did. So knowing that now and knowing that, classical music really only exists like in the world of academia and (laughs) sometimes on films. Um, You know, it's interesting in the first episode of, of this new season, like we could, you know, the first, the first episode is dedicated to Kanye West as a storyteller. And, you know, we have clips of him saying, I think about my songs, like scenes in a movie. Um, And yeah, there is that, that cinematic approach, but in terms of like, thinking about him in the line of someone like Beethoven, like I even compared him almost directly to Beethoven in in the the Twisted Fantasy season. But he's like, Beethoven was an artist that was, you know, one of the most popular in his day that then, like he wrote in the style that was popular, which was, you know, the, the formal classical style, Haydn and Mozart. And then he flipped everything on his head and created his own genre out of that, you know, influenced by that those genres, but made it at his own. And that's what I see Kanye doing with hip hop, where, yeah, he started out, you know, more or less, he kind of like drove a sa- the soul sample sound. That was, you know, a big part of what he did as a producer, but he was more or less kind of working within the boundaries of hip hop at that time. Uh, but then when he came into his own as an artist, and then I think the Yeezus is like the pinnacle of him flipping it, you know, flipping expectations <laughs> you know the same way that like Beethoven's Fifth Symphony flipped expectations of what a sy- symphony was and should be. I feel like Yeez- Yeezus did that. Eight oh eights did that, uh, but Yeezus I feel like was the most kind of like deliberate in that fact of like, no, I'm going to challenge you guys. Very um, much. And so, yeah, that was that's just one of, one of the many reasons I, I was dying to talk about Yeezus was was all those those points of like. It rarely do we gar- get an artist in this prime that takes this much of a risk, you know? And especially after coming after, like, nearly being canceled and, and winning him back. And then and yeah. then just, like, once he... I feel like yeah. he figured out, like, oh, like, I can just, like, play with you guys like a little puppet. Like, public perception is just, like, a marionette. Let me just fuck with it a little bit, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I get it.
0: I, was there anything really surprising to you in terms of your concept of yeezus from the years 2013 to 2019 that's changed since working on this season
2: well you i mean definitely you guys helped me flesh out the narrative much more than i had it um previously i always kind of knew it was an arc that ends with bound Two being very clearly a kind of resolution although there's a twist that we talk about but more or less there's this kind yeah. of very dramatic resolving moment at the end so I kind of knew it but you know this is and this is the same with any season that I've done and I'm sure it's with you guys with any album that you've done of Kanye's it's like you don't really know until you dig into the details right like you might have an understanding of like the general arc but what I get excited about and I'm sure you guys are the same is the details of how that's pulled off um, and when you start to find the nuances of references that appear in this song and then come back in here, and then like we were saying with, with Kanye, you find them in the music too, where, I mean, this season is full of some brilliant, brilliant uses of samples as kind yeah. of not only like sonic uh, for their kind of like contrasting sonic qualities, but their thematic qualities, like brilliant stuff. And I didn't know any, I mean, I knew the on-site sample was super clever in that way. But like when we get to new slaves, then the sample on you know the end of that is like, when you guys legendary. unpack that, cause I didn't know that until I read your guys' script. I was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> one of those moments you like die for, right? Like that's, that's yeah. why we do this.
1: That's yeah. one of the most like mind bending moments of Jesus. I can't wait for people to hear about that. Yeah, it's
0: the first time reading those lyrics because when I was first listening to the album, uh, we were both living in Iowa, and the album Ugh. came out. And I was making hour long drives to go to a writing conference. Oh
2: yeah, can we take this back? Could we? Uh, maybe you're going here, but can we? Go, can we all share the story of like the Yeezus leading up to it? First <laughs> Absolutely. thoughts, like That's relive fun. that moment a little bit. I would love to hear you guys' stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, Travis, and I have been working together on our movie site, Film Colossus, and we have been doing that online for like a year. Had it met in person, had just talked on the phone. handfuls of times so i moved out to iowa for a year so we could work like face to face and i think i got there june 14th or something and then this album comes out and i didn't realize it so i was supposed to go to this writing conference it was the first day of the conference and i stopped at target on the way bought the cd ran back to my car tore it open (laughs) and put it in and I tried listening to a a stream of it while I was showering and getting ready but couldn't really hear what was going on and it was an hour drive each way so for the next week every day I just have this hour of listening to the album in full on the way there listening to the album in full on the way back and just playing it over and over again and I remember how much I was in love with the soundscape of it how shocking it was specifically Blood on the Leaves, because I never thought Kanye would make an epic on the scale of Runaway again, because mm. how could you? Yeah. <laughs> how many artists have more than one Runaway yeah. in their discography? And then Blood on the Leaves just was such a home run to me. So I was pretty obsessed with that, but seeing that arc from on-site with the interlude to where we get Bound to, and just the soul music non-existent for the entirety of the album till that moment... I knew early on that there was some kind of arc there and Travis and I started discussing it pretty heavily, but it wasn't until a few years later when we started the podcast and you're talking about getting into the details, it was our favorite Kanye album. We had listened to it so many times and we had the concept that we had about what the trajectory of the story was. But when you start going through it and you discover things like the lyrics to the Omega sample and how that plays into the overall story just it was such a jarring thing because you oft so often don't get confirmation about what Kanye's doing he doesn't give interviews where he explains the albums he yeah. just kind of leaves it so when you have these kind of lightning bolt moments that are so clear in terms of their implication in terms of the role that they're playing uh, it was one of my favorite experiences not just the first time hearing that and how amazing it was but the discovery of it uh was really cool
1: yeah um and i i do remember when the album came out yeah chris i think you were in iowa and i was about to move there i hadn't got yeah, i hadn't it, made it there yet i do remember yeah. i was leaving for my friend's wedding i was on a bus mm-hmm. i was getting on a bus to go to the airport to fly to Punta Cana <laughs> like a like so much was happening and the whole time I'm trying desperately to like get a hold of Jesus, like I'm trying to illegally download it I've bought it since don't worry <laughs> um, but I was trying to Ill- illegally download it at the time so I could listen to Jesus because I mean Kanye's my favorite like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was such a huge album for me like before that I was a big Kanye fan but you know that but bo- that album opened the floodgates and like yeah. and it was the first year I lived with my girlfriend now wife and like it was important an important album to us so like I was really excited about Jesus. and I do remember like getting on the bus and listening to it and those first few moments you listen to Jesus, you have to like what the fuck like double take moment like yeah <laughs> you don't understand what's going on and while I think that turns a lot of people off and I and I know it it did turn a lot of people off at the time. I've always been very attracted to albums and movies like that, or just art like that in general, that yeah. that turns people off. Um, we've talked about it many times in this show. Showgirls is my favorite movie ever. <laughs> I love Showgirls and I love it even more because everyone else hates it to death. Like there's something about that quality of, of art that I'm really attracted to. And like, I feel like that was always there with Jesus. I mean, especially on site. Like on site was my jam for like the longest time. Yeah. Um, and it and, and and I'm right there with Chris. Like I didn't like I didn't know what the narrative was, but like musically, it's it's funny because we're lyrical guys, but musically, I I could sense something. I could sense like an arc and a change, and it was something I hadn't been able to uh, define for years. But of course, when Chris and I started the show, and you start going through line by line. And you start looking at the samples and how the samples play into a narrative, like you just watch it unfold it's 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 incredible to witness um so being able to do that for Chris, like it took Jesus from this thing that I enjoyed just sonically to this thing that I was like, oh shit, like it's it's two thousand and one a space odyssey, like it's something else, like it's something you haven't seen before that that transcends stories and music and it just became this thing in my life I, i mean that to me that and the life of pablo are are my two favorite kanye albums uh the life of pablo more for like personal reasons but if i had to pick like the one like that like represents kanye that represents like what music is like jesus is it
2: yeah yeah i'm on the same page with all you guys it's for mine mine's a little weird because i was at i was just finishing up college at the time it's funny because a lot of the records that I've dissected came out during the stretch where I was in college and was not listening to music outside of classical music really at all. And I like, I was so entrenched in, in that world when I was in college that I, like I missed the the release of twisted fantasy. Like that was (laughs) a, that was an album that I came back to and I had loved Kanye like, you know, ever since the college dropout, but, you might have you know, from, from the premise of my show, you might like uh, guess that I'm obsessive when I get into something. So like when I was in college, it was like, okay, like this is what I'm doing. It's just shut out the rest of the world. So I missed so many so much of what I now consider as like the golden years of hip hop, or maybe not hip hop, but that new that transition between old and new guard that was happening in the early twenty tens. I missed a lot of that. But I was coming out of the tail end of that. I would say actually Yeezus is what really like kind of like uh, like a snap of the finger of like, okay, you are you're you need to start paying attention to what's going on outside of this world because there's some crazy shit happening. <laughs> but Yeezus came out. Uh, I remember I was working at a coffee shop and I would close uh, the coffee shop by myself a lot. Uh, and we closed late at like 11. So I would listen to Yeezus driving home every night just Uh, like i don't know about you guys but when i listen to this record still to this day it has to be loud as fuck like there is no (laughs) middle ground it has to be loud as fuck it has to hurt your ears exactly and so i just have you know very um vivid memories of just listening to this at night driving in my little honda civic um you know ford focus for me (laughs) toyota corolla (laughs) for me (laughs) and it was actually the time yeah it was the um fittingly the corolla yeah um (laughs) <laughs>
1: um, the irony isn't lost to me when I yeah. listen to my yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. worry. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, and I actually it's funny to me. It was like right when Instagram was kind of really popping off too. Instagram just got Instagram videos, and there were, me and my friend that worked at the the coffee shop, we had croissants, so we'd always make these videos of like throwing croissants on the ground and like flipping them off, and then playing the clip of Jesus, the <laughs> I Am the God clip. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of like, um, just everything we just talked about, I think we actually kind of already covered it, but it was just like, yeah, it was that time where I was like, okay, shit, like Connie's on this now, like what the, what is going on, um, and you know, realizing it was it was and still is an anomaly in in pop culture, just what yeah. what the impact of the album was, the conversations around it, I can't really remember an album that stirred up so much conversation um on this level i mean since then really i don't know if you guys can think of any but it was just something everyone had to talk about everyone had to give their opinion about and you're it was there's a clear divide you know and i feel like at that time most people were on the side of not liking it that's my memory i'm not sure if that was the case i know it's critic critically acclaimed like if you go back and read the reviews like most of them are pretty positive but those i mean that. To be honest, that's like people like us, like you know what I mean. Like that's yeah. not like we're we're looking at it like from all these different angles. not just the angle of like, do we put this on and just like it, you know? Do we <laughs> like to listen to it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so all that was just so interesting, and then I got to go to the Yeezus tour, um, which was Ooh. obviously incredible um, ex- experience. I still have videos on my phone actually, um, and that was just it was just one thing after another and then and then all those interviews i mean we could maybe talk about those but that to yeah. me was just as much a part of jesus as the album was where it's every day you just had this new 45 minute interview to listen to <laughs> at least <laughs> that that's I remember the best why.
1: part of jesus is like the interviews the tour the the merchandise like just kanye being kanye like everything about it was such a spectacular time
2: yeah it's 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 certainly my golden era of kanye for sure um and the, and the interviews are no small part of that just like just uh he was on fire man he was just on fire um, doing it
1: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten
0: lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office I remember it was my first time feeling like I needed to defend Kanye (laughs) because when Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift I liked Kanye and I liked that he had said what he said about Bush I enjoyed his music but I wasn't like full bore a Kanye fan and I didn't feel the need to be like well you know Beyonce's video was better (laughs) uh, to everybody that I met but I remember during the Yeezus tour there was an Kanye said something at one of the shows where, or maybe it was one of the interviews, that the performance that he was giving, that like artists give in these kinds of shows, was less like being in an office, and less like an office job, and more like police officers, military, and that you're putting your life on the line with some of the stunts that you're doing, and I think he was specifically talking about being at the top of the mountain, that he did and just like some of the the heights and the safety measures you had to take for what he was doing and that the media took that quote and just ran with it and that there were police sergeants giving interviews being like Kanye you can come and I'll put you on <laughs> like duty for 1 hour and you won't make it and all of this backlash where it's like it was a hyperbolic comparison but all he's really saying is that this is kind of dangerous more dangerous than you think and more dangerous than you just going to an office and sitting at a desk
1: mm. yeah although i would i would pay to see kanye be a cop for a day like i think he'd be great <laughs> at conflict resolution honestly so calm just assess the situation and figure it out
0: <laughs> see somebody commits a
1: crime and he's just like you know what That's not a bad one though go ahead <laughs> Oh, and Colt, we got to ask you about the Yeezus tour because you, you kind of opened up a, a wound there. Because Chris <laughs> yeah. and I were supposed to go to the Yeezus tour in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, yeah, Minneapolis, yep. or I guess technically St. Paul. Um, or no, actually, never mind. I don't know why I'm worried about this. It was somewhere <laughs> in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> but the 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 tour bus crashed, and they had to cancel the show. And we oh, never I remember got to that. See the Yeezus tour.
2: Wow, that's yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's definitely the best concert I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> Thanks, it's, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even I didn't go to the Glow in the Dark tour, though. And the, I was at the Life of Ooh. Pablo show where he broke down and canceled the tour. Oh,
0: yeah. That was, oh, your, wow. that was yeah. your night.
2: Um, but the Yeezus tour, it was in San Jose. It, fuck, it's so stupid. Me and my friend were late. The same guy that I worked with, shout out Mario, um, <laughs> th- that I worked with at making croissant videos. Like we drove to San Jose, which was three hours and there was traffic. And so we missed Kendrick Lamar opening for him, which like in my world, I mean, it wasn't then, but like looking back now, I could have saw Kanye and Kendrick in the same show. Like, wow. But yeah, it was like, I mean, to this day, I mean, Pablo tour maybe compares, but even Pablo was more, the visual was so compelling. You know, there wasn't really like a narrative or um, kind of, yeah, I mean the narrative of Jesus and and how it interacted with not only the mountain but also like the women that would come on stage and the whole Jesus coming out like it was a show, you know. It was like yeah. it was more it was the most almost like Broadway uh style show that I've ever been to from for from like, you know, someone working in his world um and it, it's just another kind of layer to his art and you know it goes along it, what's cool is like yeah it follows the narrative of the of the tour follows the narrative of Jesus, but he also incorporated his entire catalog into these into these five acts which you look back on and kind of ties into the discussion of like yeah Kanye's life is this trajectory that corresponds with his albums but it's also kind of the same story over and over where he's yeah. like in this cycle and, and kind of like trying to figure out his life amidst the limelight and how do you find love? And when you find love, how do you maintain love? And, but it's all dealing with like the same components, but just to see it, you know, in front of your face, you know, people forget, like Kanye was like the first dude, first rapper to like perform by himself. Like that was a big deal when he started performing by himself before that, you know, you, it was pretty like standard in hip hop to have like your whole crew on stage with you. Um, where Kanye would just go out alone, which at that time was pretty rare. But then starting with pretty glow Kanye. Yeah. Starting with the glow in the dark tour, like no one was doing those those stage setups. He didn't really I what I've from what I've heard, you guys probably know, like, he didn't really make that much money with the Jesus tour, um, because it was just so mm-hmm. costly um to to put on. But again, this kind of speaks to the this era of Kanye where you a few years later you realize he's like going broke trying to like do all these cool creative things getting himself in debt you know uh which leads to the Pablo era but yeah I mean looking back on this era has been so fun in so many ways and with new information it kind of colors certain things in differently um yeah it's just been it's just been fun to go to relive this this period lately
0: is your favorite song from that time still your favorite song on Yeezus? Uh,
2: that's a good question. I think so, it's been I'm in it forever. Um, like Gun to the Head, I'm in it might be my favorite Kanye song uh, nice. ever. It's definitely my favorite on on Yeezus, although almost every song on Yeezus is <laughs> like-
1: How do you even rank them?
2: Yeah, it's hard, but the production yeah. of I'm in it is just so good. Um, yeah, you know, we'll talk about it on the episode from a production standpoint, but I don't even listen to the words of that song. Really. It's like, <laughs> it's the production is so good. And all like, it's, it's this whole roller coaster um, uh, tempo changes, modulations, like the dog, the dog sample as a snare drum, like it's <laughs> just so kind much. of
1: at the end. It's just, it's so good.
2: Yeah. It's just, um, I think that would have to be probably mine then. And still now, um, it reminds me a lot of I don't know. I always think of Eyes Wide Shut when I hear that song.
1: Even though, even the runway is like the more like <laughs> I noticeable. Love <laughs> <laughs> you, I love that. I love that. I it reminds you of a quiet movie like Eyes Wide Shut. I love that. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, Eyes Wide Shut's quiet, but it's not. You know, like yeah, yeah. It's like I, I it's I like a it.
2: lot of it's like the
0: sense of like aggression and dread.
2: Yeah, um, I don't Plus know what about you guys in
1: both of those things. Yeah, Well, it's all yeah. It's about
2: I mean Eyes Wide Shut. Like about sex and marriage and kind of so is Jesus and uh, yeah, what about you guys? I
0: it was Blood on the Leaves for me from the get-go. Like I still remember trying to hear the album and not really doing a good job of it. And then I was in the shower and Blood on the Leaves started playing, and I turned the shower off just to be able to listen to it because just from the very beginning it cut through the noise and just gave me goosebumps i just stood there with the water not running listening to blood on the leaves for six <laughs> minutes even though i had to like drive this hour drive i was just blown away and turned the shower back on and hopped in the car and that's when i went and bought the cd i <laughs> that still to this day is a top three kanye song for me i think i thought about killing you has kind of overtaken as my number one kanye song but it's still my favorite on Yeezus.
1: yeah I, I think from the get-go, I am a god was actually my favorite because mm-hmm. again, I love the thing people are gonna hate and what are people gonna hate more than a song called I Am a God. Um and I love the fact that he screamed in it like it was just like it was just like so <laughs> jarring and off-putting and in, in ways that I love. Uh, but today I would say it's kind of a tie. Either I'm in it or hold my liquor. Hold my liquor is kind of a merge as my number one. Mm. I mean, just that guitar. Bon Iver, mix of Chief Keef, like all the yeah. I don't know that whole song
2: that could yeah the oh, guitar man. solo and
1: it's it's, just, it's starting to emerge as like a favorite of all Kanye fans. Yeah. And I, I consider that. myself ahead of that curve so I'm just going to say <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one I, I mean ironically for me Blood on the Leaves was the one that like had to grow on me. It was the one which I know is like the opposite of most people's experience but I don't know I think something about the kind of meandering quality of it the kind of free form yeah, i'm a very very kind of, modal yeah a very like structured kind of guy and like not finding that footing in the song it took me a little bit of getting used to but obviously i mean i it wasn't like i disliked it it was just like one of the songs that just wasn't hitting for me on the on the first you know couple of yeah. listens but even the I worst
1: think, kanye song is better than like 99 of songs
2: Yes. Yeah. and well what's funny about this album too which i hope is a lot of people's experience when they listen to the season is like you will find new respect for like guilt trip and send it up the ones that kind of don't are are probably the least popular yeah the least popular of the song of of songs on yeezus like when i think once you appreciate what they do narratively you'll it'll like hopefully will click for some people um Especially send it up uh, for me at least narratively it's that is yeah might might be for me like the most brilliant use of a song on an album um I won't say ever obviously, but it's it's a it's a brilliant use <laughs> of it. a song <laughs> it's just, just <laughs> I, like not the song itself, but just what it is, what it represents, how yeah. it mirrors on site like we'll get into all of it,
0: but I think people will find a new appreciation for it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Because uh, you deal with a lot of lyrics, obviously, <laughs> and lyricism and thinking through what is, I'm sure you've considered like top-tier lyricism. What does that mean, not only to yourself, but to people, and what are the degrees of it? And one of the things that I keep thinking about is the relationship people have to what qualifies as great lyricism, because mm. I think some people might listen to Send It Up and think that maybe there's a few good lines, especially at the end uh Kanye's like, you know, heart colder than the souls of men, Jesus just rose again, those kinds of poppy individual lines, but what you're saying about the role that Sended Up and Guilt Trip play on the album, and how you have to craft everything in the album, on every song leading up to those, on those songs, and what comes after, to make them have the power and impact that they have does that mean great lyricism or is that great artistry? Is that great structuring as compared to maybe somebody that's just delivering a flow of great punchlines and wordplay? And...
2: Yeah. I think, I think people get lyricism and rap skill. Like they, they often go hand in hand when I think they're separate things. Like let's uh, like Kendrick Lamar is a good example or like even like Lupe fiasco where, like Lupe Fiasco, obviously a great writer, obviously a great rapper, like technically he's going to come up with creative flows to match his really creative lyricism where Kanye feel like, and it, it, that's like much more obvious, like he's doing all these gymnastics, but also pairing them with like great words. So like, that's incredible. And that's like, that's itself a skill, but. Kanye's always been different because he's not he's a rapper but he's kind of not like he's not he's not your I feel like rap to him is just like another tool, right? It's like it's not like in him in the way that it is a Kendrick Lamar, if that makes sense. Like it's not it's much more here's like a, I'm going to here's like a piece of stone I'm going to chisel you know, a little bit at a time, and and like come up with this big structure, but it's not as free flowing and natural as as someone that could just like freestyle forever. Like I don't think Kanye probably can really freestyle that well, um, and that's not really a knock on him. You it's take just that like, back.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've, I've watched the videos <laughs> in, in yeah. terms of like rap, yeah, he
2: could freestyle really well when he's just singing and like finding yeah. cadences like that's how he seems to write but like yeah it comes like coming up with the words on top of like it's just not his thing right and i think I yeah. think that to me speaks to like what he does lyrically on records which is very much more like script writing almost you know like um yeah. as opposed to just like does this beautiful like, flowing cadence of words. Um, yeah. I think you're that makes right sense. because
1: Chris's, yep. or Chris's, <laughs> this is a compliment to you Chris, uh, Kanye's Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> background has always just been, I think, art. Like he used to yeah. go to museums with his dad and stuff. Like he grew up like drawing and painting. He's always talked about the movies he's loved. Like to him, I think it all just kind of meshes together and he's just creating art.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, and we we kind of talk about that in the first episode where it's like he says if if playwriting gave him the biggest platform today he'd be a playwright. (laughs) It's like it's pretty clear that like he was drawn to rap in some part just because it was the biggest genre of the time, as that that was the biggest platform, the biggest microphone. But I mean, clearly he's he's transcended hip hop. You know, like he's he exists outside that realm, Um, and in some ways it's almost like yeah, should he even be, like, making hip-hop music anymore? Like, I could see a world where he just doesn't and starts doing other shit, you know? Yeah. Um, Because it just seems, like, too narrow of a space for him now. Um, We're waiting for his new
0: metal album. Yeah. (laughs) If Kanye made a new metal album, I would be, (laughs) as somebody that still loves, like, Disturbed, Linkin Park. I think you'd implode. I would go nuts. That would be... (laughs)
1: Such a collision of worlds, and just my life would be complete. Yeah, uh, well, he he did appear on a Fallout Boy song. Not that they're new metal, but that's as close <laughs> as we've gotten.
0: It was very interesting too because he just disses Fallout Boy in the middle of the song. <laughs> you know <laughs> what you're signing up for when Kanye's featured on song. Yeah, he's he's like, I don't even know who these guys are, but <laughs> I'm here. So, uh, but yeah, talking about. I've been thinking about that and worrying about it because you look at the, the journey of his discography and Jesus is King feels like such a... Uh, Epilogue probably not the right, but like last chapter, final chapter, climax mm. to the journey that he had been talking about, especially yeah. in the way that it kind of pays off on Jesus' walks and Through the Wire, which were the two songs that really elevated him. And even all falls down in the social mm. concepts that he was exploring. It feels like Jesus is King is him getting through a lot of the baggage he had on the first album. And had have been exploring on all the rest. And it works so beautifully. I wonder creatively, especially with the level that Kanye's on, how do you follow that up? And honestly, the he's always talked about the next part of his life. So it makes sense onto the next saga, right? In the wake of his marriage ending at this point, that seems to be the kind of thing that he would talk about. Yeah. And he's always used music as a means of catharsis and, and self-exploration and working through these emotions. And the question then becomes, is this something he wants to work through publicly the way that he has in the past? Or is this something that takes a little longer to process to reach the point of being music? And I do wonder if a lot of the delays for God's Country, then Donda, and where we're at currently, kind of coincide with a little bit of a a crisis when it comes to what am I saying right now? What aspect of my life am I talking about? I think he even saw that a little bit with Love. I always love everybody. Love everyone. Uh, the album he was going to release before Yay th- that he scrapped because I think he was still working through some of the concepts on that and delivering it, but maybe not feeling quite as strongly on it until the backlash from TMZ happened. And it just codified all the stuff that he needed to talk about, and he raced to get it out. The same kind of thing with Jesus is King. He was kind of toying around with Yandi. Mm-hmm. Exploring what it was he wanted to say until he had this breakthrough with religion. I wonder when the next breakthrough will come.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting that you say that each album kind of follows controversy in some way. It's almost like he needs that little extra kick or something. because um, yeah, you can kind of trace back controversial moments happening before, or after, whether that's by, by design or not, you know. Um, who knows but yeah that is interesting yeah i mean the whole divorce thing is definitely saddening and you don't want to rush anyone through that process i can't even imagine um what they can both both are kind of going through at this point um yeah but yeah i mean it's funny it's it's like at the end of the day i always just kind of wish them well you know like i worry it's weird but i worry about them all the time like <laughs> i hate saying it but Historically speaking, like his fate, odds the, odds, the odds of his fate are stacked against him, let's say, in terms of like uh, dying of old age, you know, like right. all the trajectories on points to tragic death, which, again, I hate, I hate even saying that. But I, it's something I think about a lot. And that's what always worries me. Anytime there's a big shakeup in his life, especially now, like kind of the foundation being ripped apart. Um, and who knows maybe it's better for both of them like we don't know any of that information so who knows but that's the that's the part of me that just like just worries you know I don't know if you guys are the same way
0: music industry has such a different uh, super not superstition but haunting I think from so many of the superstars or legends in that industry specifically that have something tragic happen? I mean the 27 Club originates from music, yeah, right? I, I think it kind of has grown to include actors and others, but uh, yeah, there is that sense with musicians whenever there is kind of a downturn that I think you just tend to worry a little bit more uh, in that field than say, like an actor that's had a few bad movies or having something go through. you're like, oh, they'll go to rehab that's what actors do mm. but music can feel so like destructive of an industry
1: hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba casino Chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dwight void we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus Yeah, and I mean Kanye is a musician. I mean music is one of those weird things where we can look at a filmmaker and we can watch a movie, we could try to figure out like what they're going through, but music is so different, like it's in your ears, like mm. you really feel it. And Kanye is just so open and vulnerable about these things, especially suicide. Uh, since 808s and Heartbreak has been very yeah. open about it and talked about it. And I think especially he talks about it on Ye and Kitsy Ghost, like uh, this album where he's, you know, the song, Ye opens with a song called I Thought About Killing You. And this yeah. you is this other part of himself. He suffers from bipolar disorder and he's working through these suicidal thoughts. And And then Kitsy Ghost ends with uh, a cutie montage which is using a sample from Kurt Cobain. It's infused with the spirit of Kurt Cobain, who killed himself. Mm. like Connie is always talking about these things, is always open about them. And the fact that he is so uh, clear about it and, and so willing to offer that part of himself up to the world and make it part of that listening experience that like I actually always feel really good about him. like I, mm. I think he, and he surrounds himself with good people and now he's found God again. And not that he found God again, but like it's yeah, become yeah. such a part of his music in a way it wasn't before. Like, I think he's somebody who's probably on the right path, and, and and you're right. Like, we don't know what's going on between him and Kim. We don't know how painful that was, or or where he's at now. But uh, I can only assume that like we're going to hear about it through the music whenever it comes out. And and even in Kanye's lowest moments, even in the moments where like I'm scared for him, like honestly I was after hearing. Kitsy Ghost, like I found it troubling at first. Like the more I think about it, the more I, th- I realize like he's somebody who's just he's willing to put himself out there like that. And and because he's doing that, there's something like I trust him. Like I trust that mm-hmm. he's gonna use music to work his way through these things.
2: Yeah. that's reminded me of the first time I listened to Damn too, actually. I remember that I was like really worried about Kendrick after I heard Damn. Uh, in retrospect, it kind of, I probably shouldn't have felt that way, but that was what I came, at. that's what I, the conclusion yeah. or the feeling that I came out because he just kept saying, like, no one's praying for me. And like, so much of the record is like super dark and like sounds like he's like in this really bad place. Um,
0: Especially coming off of what you learned in To Pimp a Butterfly, right? Yeah. There, there was so much kind of self anger and, yeah. Um, suicidal thoughts at times
2: but yeah that's a good point travis like it feels that way because it's like because they are putting all of that in the music so transparently and vulnerably where you yeah it does make you feel like they do feel like you can empathize you, you literally feel it in your body because they're so talented at expressing whatever they're going through through the music but yeah then you think about well the music is how they're kind of getting through these things so yeah maybe Uh, maybe Kanye does need to put out an album. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Kanye thrives
1: on that communal thing, I think. Like, he he loves his fans. He loves people listening to his music and feeling inspired by him, and he always has his friends around. Like, I don't know, in a weird way, I feel like he's in a good spot. Mm. It'll be – I mean, the
0: timeline people have in mind now is tying it to the Yeezy Gap Mm -hmm. and the Yeezy Gap release, so – We'll see if uh we're just guessing what's... at any time you just gonna come out and <laughs> grab it on to anything we can yeah yeah <laughs> please, please um,
2: I was up uh, to remind you, I was up at five thirty am this morning trying to get those foam
0: runners <laughs> to, <laughs> took a any fat success no
2: took a fat L. Oh,
0: everyone God, took a fat L. A yeah <laughs> yeah the the Twitter timeline was just full of people being like, yeah loss yeah. loss i hate you adidas like <laughs> yeah stop doing this to me i i've took one dub trying to get uh yeezys from just like the regular mm-hmm. uh wait in line yeah magically breakthrough to pay. <laughs> And they were my grail yeezys like right. the ones that i wanted more than any and that was the the triple black reflective mm. And I was so amazed, but it was one of those things like we were at my, my wife's parents' place for Thanksgiving and I'm waking up at five. It's <laughs> just on my computer, trying not to wake her being like, refresh, refresh, yeah, yeah. refresh and bringing it up on my phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one day more foam runners will be available to all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he promised. Yeah. He promised someday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, one of the things, uh, looking back on Yeezus at this point, I always looked at it as the turning point album in terms of you see all the bleakness that we get from Graduation into 808s, into My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy that's really escalating Yeah. <laughs> uh, till we get to Yeezus and how that was such a an upswing. And it just felt that there were going to continue to be upswings. Which is one of the other things. I was just like, what will Kanye write about now in terms of an album? Because he's settling into family life. He's financially secure. Religion's good. Like, what will be the the next topic? And then everything happens with Kim and that relationship. And it casts so much of this recent era of Kanye, like the 2010s Kanye. Yeah into a little bit more of a its own era and a little bittersweet. everything from Jesus to life of Pablo, songs like only one yeah there's just gonna be a little bit of that uh, what a time. yeah exactly yeah it's, to it's it. been
2: so weird in some ways working on this season at this moment. you know I know you guys wrote your parts before, but kind of returning and working on the scripts to, to make my additions uh, recently yes yeah it's just bittersweet I guess like you know I'm literally working on the, my additions to, to bound Two right now and <laughs> Oof. it's you know literally paralleling with all this news about Kim and Connie divorcing and it's just yeah it's just it's tragic in a way you know like knowing now the end of the story I don't know anything can happen still obviously but um, it's, it's just, you know believing that the news is true and uh, and that's going to be the conclusion yeah it's just Uh, just kind of sad, you know. I mean, I think you guys are both married. Um, you know, you don't go into marriage thinking you're going to get a divorce, so it's not like. I don't think it can be a pretty experience, even if it's the best thing for both of you. Um, I think it's just it's difficult, especially with kids involved. Um, I just, yeah, I, I can't imagine it's it's probably a difficult time, but yeah, I mean it was such a bright spot, you know, especially on, on Yeezus. It was, you know, the, the brightest of spots on the, the darkest of albums, right? Like bound Two, and that's part of what makes the record so great is that it does come to this glimmering divine kind of conclusion after, after all this chaos and like loathing and indulgence and just like the darkest kind of exploring the darkest aspects of who you are and, reckoning with those things and confronting them and then here you know on the horizon kind of comes this like beautiful sun literal a literal sun re-emerging <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'll that'll make sense to most of you once the season's yeah. over but um yeah yeah it's just kind of bittersweet and um yeah kind of approaching the last episode like how do we and we'll, we'll talk about it offline but yeah it's like how do you how do we now acknowledge what's Kind of transpired uh, since he exists, because you know I always try to approach the albums that I do as like time capsules. Like, and this one very clearly is a time capsule uh, into that moment of his life and what where he was. Um, uh, and it's ironic now too, because it's like on one hand you have the divorce, on the other hand you have Kanye's now the richest you know black man that ever lived in U.S. history, so and you go back to yeah. to this era where he's you know desperately pleading for backing for his creative ideas. No one's giving him a shot. And so there's this like in the moment love story that really works out with him and Kim. and it's like this these things moving on opposite paths where the marriage goes seemingly goes one way and his success as a designer goes the other way, uh, where they're like both like peaking. One's, I guess, the opposite, whatever the opposite of a peak is. And then a cratering. One, a cratering and one's, like, reaching a pinnacle. Like, it's the story of Kanye West, right? Like, that's something he's talked about his this whole life is this dichotomy of of really great things happening and also really tragic things happening and him trying to, like, reckon with how to deal with those two things, how to, like, mend those together.
0: That's been (laughs) from late registration. He started exploring exactly that topic and we're covering graduation now in our 2.0 run through the discography because you learn so much the first time through and then you're like I need to go back and talk about like this album again or this song again and going through graduation for the second time you just see how huge of a lead into 808s it is and all of these uh, I guess not plots being set up but the themes of 808s are starting to emerge already in graduation and there's a little more innocence, a little more happiness because there was at that point but you can still see uh, the negative aspects of the life he's living creeping in and him as the artist even if him as the character he's not necessarily aware of it song by song him as the artist putting the album together is very aware of it and the implications of that and the fact that he's as you're saying continuing to explore that dichotomy for so many years now and just again and again trying to understand like why do i keep ending up here how does it keep working out to where things are like this thinking about kim and Kanye in general and bound to and Jesus, i come back to wolves and the fact that wolves seems to be such a song acknowledging that each of them were at a point of feeling broken and by each of them loving each other when they felt neither of them deserved love it really had a healing rejuvenating uh resurrecting like effect and maybe that's the ultimate takeaway is even if the marriage did it end up lasting for both of them? It ended up being exactly what they needed Mm. to, I don't know, heal from the wounds that they had leading up to that point.
1: Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Especially thinking about Kanye, just his, I mean, every album uh, until Jesus is King, really. I, I mean, especially Jesus was dealing has, has dealt with how difficult it is to be a celebrity and how a load you can feel in this thing you thought was gonna be the greatest thing in the world and how hard it is to find love like to see those stories coming together and, and learning how to work that crazy world of celebrity together like they were just so important to each other for so long and, and Kim was so important to Kanye's music he wrote that poem tour in Lost in the World like their journey through the music is is kind of incredible to watch I'm sure all the, all the
2: Kim Kardashian fans are like, you could do the same thing with keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, the last episode of Keeping Up finally addressed uh, the start of the divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. And the tipping point of what happened. I was seeing all these articles um, talking about how Kanye saying that Kim and Kris Jenner trying to get him help was white supremacy was really the tipping point for her in terms of the relationship and what was salvageable. But in that episode, there's you see her kind of coming to terms with the idea that my marriage is over, Mm. which is really who to have on TV.
2: Yeah. That's what, so that was true. Like the, the him getting help. He thought that was, did he say that on Twitter or something?
0: Yeah. He tweeted that out. Like Kim and Chris tried to have me, like doctors come and take me away. Yeah. I remember something, that something, something. I don't remember White supremacy. Oh,
1: got it. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Sounds like and a, then, kind, uh, sounds like a Kanye tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, well, so for
0: the Yeezus season, any moments in particular, you want listeners to, uh, pay attention to, or that you're really excited for people to hear. I'm sure the I'm in it episode, but, and as you're saying, send it up. But any uh, specific line or specific uh, sonic moment? Um.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think bound to. I know it's like eight, near the end of the season, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to the whole season. Yeah, listen yeah, to the whole season. That's how you get him to listen to everything.
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a, such a payoff in so many ways, uh, musically, musically. But um, I mean, even the on-site episode, which you know, probably air shortly after this comes out uh, as the second episode of the season. You know, what that sets up sonically, it's like, you know, not an accident about even down to like the, the very intervals that he's using interval is just the space between two notes. Um, You know, there's this recurring one recurring interval that happens on almost every song, which is called a minor second. It's like the closest looking if you can imagine a piano in your mind it's like whatever key you're touching it would be the next key right next to it so if you're familiar with that if you play those two notes at the same time it sounds quote unquote terrible it's like this really dissonant harsh sound and he uses that interval pretty much in every song pretty prominently especially on the, the in the first act um but just the way it's like one thing to like okay define an album with A certain sound that happens all the time. But, you know, when we get into the details of like, okay, New Slaves, it kind of speaks again to like you guys finding lyrical connections where I find musical connections. You know, New Slaves is is in a certain key signature D minor. So is Blood on the Leaves. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And then you dissect, like, oh, what two notes are those, um, the horns playing? On blood on the leaves, it's like, oh, those are the same exact two notes that were played on New Slaves, and then you're like, oh, he says blood on the leaves multiple times on New Slaves, and then there's a song called Blood. It's like you just go through, yeah. It's like so you just start discovering all these just those little nuances that you know is what or is why we do the show. But I think, yeah, New Slaves is a great episode. You guys killed that one. Um uh, the I mean literally I think all of them I mean I'm really excited about this season only because like every song it's a 10 song album so everyone is so loaded with stuff where it's like sometimes when you get to a longer album um, you know it, it can get watered down but each one of these songs are so potent that you know I feel really strongly about every single episode which you know I can't really say that about every season of Dissect you know sometimes there's just songs that are not as strong um where Yeezus is so condensed, so compact that every single song is just full yeah. of great stuff.
1: I love which that you, that's the most Kanye kind of response you could have had when Chris is like, What episode are you most excited about? And you're like, All of them. <laughs> like, all of them are <laughs> amazing. I'm <laughs> um, what I'm most excited about is the intro
2: because I got to talk about Stravinsky, Ooh, yeah. Bob Dylan, and and Kanye all in the same five minutes, which is <laughs> like for me, that's an incredible feat. It like put takes everything I love and puts it all in one jumble Hell, uh, yeah. to start a season
0: that's what i was thinking of when you talked about you know if beethoven were alive today would he be making classical music probably not and the trajectory that you painted going from stravinsky to dylan to kanye and showing that this spirit of the rebel or this punk spirit of i'm gonna take what we all know and love and upend it and confront you (laughs) with this new thing and how the public reacts how that transitions through genre through era and how that spirits alive and well uh generation after generation which was really cool but I was thinking that would be Beethoven right it's that same journey
2: yeah you could I could have started with Beethoven there could i mean I could have started you know pick a pick a generation you know like there's gonna <laughs> yeah. be the ones that last the test of time usually are these kinds of artists that are I mean that's why they stand out is because the genre was in one place and after they left or during their time they stretched it and it, they you know blew either stretched it or blew it blew it up and created something new coming from that destruction. It's the same story over and over and over um, with these great artists. Even you say things about like Picasso or like any great any Kubrick like what take your genre take your medium like it's the same story over and over so I I just wanted to draw that line quickly in the beginning of the season but like hey like this moment that you remember seven years ago eight years ago is actually like something we're going to look back on probably like a hundred years from now as at least Kanye himself will be that guy and and he's just is such a you know pivotal part of his career that I you know I've felt that it was necessary to kind of frame it that way
1: Damn straight. Very,
0: very much so <laughs> uh, well, anything else any uh, any last words
2: no just thank you guys um, you yeah, know we'll do another one at the end of the season on, on the dissect feed but um, this is I know it was delayed and um, sorry for that but <laughs> it's okay. I think it's the right time I think it's good um, and you guys did incredible work and I'm glad that People are going to hear more about your guys' ideas and in a very concise way. Um, so
1: <laughs> it's a uh, as opposed to our two-hour episodes, uh, drunken hot girls. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I didn't mean it like that, but good point. <laughs> no, good point. It's, it's, it's a good point. No, um, I mean, you guys are great writers. It's one thing to like be able to talk about Kanye, but it's another to like put it yeah. into really coherent and beautiful words, which you guys are both really excellent writers. So that's not like. You know, your podcast isn't that. It's a conversation right. where, but you guys also have the skill to write really well. So I'm, I mean, you know, some people might be familiar with writing already, but this will hopefully extend that audience a little bit into into my audience. So really excited to get it out finally.
0: Thank yeah. you. It feels like a know, a nice collaboration. I remember when we first emailed back at the, what was it? Start of 2016, like kind of thing.
2: And oh, when we first, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was just like you were getting going with the first season of dissect our podcast was in its first year as well and i don't know it's cool to see that 5 years later
2: <laughs> still doing it yeah somehow still doing it yeah still talking about to
0: collaborate cotton. yeah it was uh it was nice it was very exciting for both of us so we appreciate uh, yeah. the opportunity to work with you on this level and uh the opportunity to create a whole new flock uh to the gospel of Jesus, Mm you know yeah yeah cool absolutely well everybody until next time please stay wavy and please
1: for the love of god keep it loopy Me, I tell raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. Yeah. This is the last call for alcohol for the Mr. So get your ass up off the wall. Hello, it is your partner big boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood?